Studs, and my guest this week is uh, Zach Gorman. Uh, Zach's latest books are Costume Quest, uh, Invasion of the Candy Snatchers, and Magical Game Time. Not Magical Castle Time, as I had said two minutes ago and had everyone in the room shame me. I'm sorry, Zach. That's okay. <laughs> I should mention we also have Brandon here. Hello. Because we're in Brandon's living room. Now, um, I guess we'll kind of start out talking about 
your background, um, you're from Detroit, you're saying, yeah. uh, before we start here, um, and I'm sure you talk about this a lot, but it seems like um, video games are pretty foundational to, to your creative spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Short um, period. <laughs> done. Interview done. Um, no, but I'm curious, like, is there anything else from when you were a kid that played such an important role for you? I mean, I think cartoons were probably, like, almost as important. I didn't, like, read a lot of comics. I, I read, like, I read, like, a, like, X-Men and stuff because it was, like, the 90s and you, you kind of, like, had to read X-Men because it was, it was the 90s, like, but, like, I, I read superhero books and stuff, but, like... I didn't get into, I didn't really get into comics honestly until super late in in the game. But I always like I liked them. I used to, I got into like I read a lot of comic strips when I was a kid. Like I liked Calvin and Hobbes. Again, it was like it was just like my that was the time. Like that was what you know you've read Calvin Calvin Hobbes and stuff. And uh, I really like comic strips originally though. Was it very like <laughs> all the, I was just thinking all this so much stuff about your 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 interest in reading your work feels very um, like indoor kid. Like, were, were you, did you have a kind of solitary childhood in that with, like, video games and, and cartoons and things? I think that came later. That was more, like, middle school where it became kind of, like, where I started, like, getting more inward and stuff and spending more time in my room playing video games. But in elementary school, and so I was actually, like, really pretty social. I had a lot of friends, spent a lot of time, like, running around the neighborhood and stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think that sort of honestly came later. Okay. That was that was more, like, when the, when the puberty hit full steam... And I was like, you know, full of shame and right, trying and, to lock myself. In the yeah, just horrible acne and braces and glasses, and I was like overweight. And then I was like, super socially. So I started getting self conscious. Like I was always really outgoing before that. Like leading up to that, like elementary school, I was like totally like a very outgoing social kid. And then kind of like turned inward then. But huh. so was, yeah, was that was that something you're aware of at the time, or was it something you can or more aware of now? Um, I guess, I mean, I, I guess I kind of knew, I guess I was kind of choosing that. I mean, you know, it's not like as much of a choice as it is to like be that, to kind of be like isolated. Right. It was like still felt like the thing to do at the time. And that was like when I had gotten my, like the PlayStation 1, like the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. And like, so that was around that time. So it was like a lot of Final Fantasy 7. And like, what, that was when I started getting really heavy into like RPG, JRPGs and stuff. Right. And those are a fantastic way to oh, yeah. completely devote your life to something yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a huge time suck, and it, it's like an it, it escape, it, it's perfect for like escapism, mm -hmm. so that was like, that was that, those three years, like I don't, I don't think I would have like gotten through like 6th, 7th, 8th grade without, like without having that, but, but when I was a kid, when I was a kid I played a lot of games, like I, you know, I grew up, I, I played like Zelda and stuff, I had an NES, and I had a, like a Super Nintendo and a, a Sega Genesis. Well, the Super Nintendo was actually later. I got that later. I was a Genesis kid when I had when I had to make my first choice. Yeah. I went with the Genesis. Did you? Which is weird. Was it I loved Nintendo. Altered Beast? Was that? Was <laughs> I just I thought it was just cooler. Like the Genesis just honestly seemed cooler to me. It, yeah, Altered Beast was pretty. It was a neater looking system. Like the the controllers are much lighter and weirder. Yeah, it's and the Super Nintendo was like a box. But yeah, the, like Genesis was like sleek. The Super Nintendo was kind of like it, it felt like it was for little kids, and I think I wanted to be like cooler. Like, so I thought I wanted like the extreme. It was like it was definitely like the Mountain Dew was, of, of yeah. sixteen bit consoles. But that's kind of the '90s were the Mountain Dew of, of decades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I was into it. Like I, I had like a, a brother who was like a couple years old. Who, well, I still have a brother who's a couple years older. Be careful about the phrasing there. 
As far as I know, I haven't talked to him in a couple weeks. But oh yeah, <laughs> I should, I'd be worried if I were you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I guess like because having being around someone like that who is a little bit like he he got me into like grunge music when I was still you know I mean I was like it was like I was in you know fourth grade or whatever and I was like exposed to cooler stuff maybe a little earlier than some right. other kids so I think I wanted to be a little cooler so like I was like Genesis is the cool kid system was he playing video games as well no he 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 the, the NES was initially bought for him and then he like never really had an interest in it. He, uh, I'm too uh, busy having sex and being popular. Yeah. I don't know. He was, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but he liked books. He was like Should a, we get him on the phone? Bookish just, uh... guy. Uh, yeah. We should do that. Conference call him in. Yeah. Get no, your parents on there. Too. So it became, it by default just became my NES because okay. he just didn't care about it. So, it, yeah, I just, I picked it up and I loved it and I couldn't get enough of it. So. Did you at all have Nintendo Power as a kid? Uh, I did. I subscribed for like a little while. Okay. I don't remember. I think it was always like sporadic. I never like kept it going. Um, it was always I, everyone kind of had Nintendo Power for a minute too. Yeah, that was, I was like wondering the thing how Nester was it all a thing for you? Uh, I remember reading those, and I remember thinking they were really cool at the time. And then I, you know, looked at them like a couple of years ago when I, I thought about them again and looked them back up, and I didn't realize like how great the art was. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't know like I didn't know anything about them at the time. As a kid, it was like whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just but. Yeah, they're fantastic. Those yeah, are so melding of like European and Japanese style. Yeah, it's the guy whose name I'm forgetting who did the he did those like Zelda comics too. They just released like um uh Oh uh, yeah, there's a good collection now. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah. yeah, they just released like his Link to the Past like adaptation comic. Um, was that a different guy? I thought. I thought it was the same guy. There's all good stuff though. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like go find that stuff by that good guy or multiple mm. good guys. Yeah. Yeah. They had some like real it's funny because like there was like that like beacon of like amazing art, and then most of the other art, and it was like super crappy. Like yeah. I don't know, like it was just this weird highlight. Yeah. It's like let's it's we'll get the possibly like one of the most interesting artists doing publishable video game work, and then yeah. we'll get like the drunk guy doing high and lowest or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the fan art. Like I always I always wanted to like mail in one of those envelopes. Remember they used to do like the envelope art, yeah. especially because it was like a wizard yeah. thing. But I think they did it like Nintendo Power too. Where you'd like draw on an envelope and send it in, and they were always like yeah. really, you know, just ridiculous there drawings. Was a design your own game contest in there that I remember J. Scott Campbell won. <laughs> I was really impressed by his art at the time. He was super Arthur Adams influenced. And what what year was that? Probably do you know? I think I'm probably older than you. But oh, you're yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like in my sixties now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just using voice modulation to sound like a little younger, but. Well, he doesn't smoke or drink, so... Oh, okay. He's yeah, got the living. lungs of a 15-year-old. Never smoked? Yeah, that never, kid never played at all. I took his lungs. Were either, either of you ever smokers? No. Not really, no. no. no I, I smoked for a while. I yeah. was a smoker, yeah. They were cool for a couple of years? Oh, well, no, I, as, I, as I explained earlier, I tried really hard to be cool. Were you chain-smoking <laughs> and playing Final Fantasy? <laughs> The smoking came, like, in high school, it kind of started, and then, like, I didn't, like, start smoking a lot, like, so, you know. Was... Wait, what system was Final Fantasy for? Because that could exist on Sega. Oh, Final Fantasy was, it was always Nintendo, yeah, was and then, Nintendo then with 7, it, it, it switched over to Sony. Oh, right. There was, like, this whole, I'm not going to get too into it, because this isn't, like, a history of, you know, Nintendo and Sony, but, they, but, but it was, like, a, it was, like, a whole thing. There's, like, a, there's, like, a story behind, like, you know, them sort of choosing their allegiance with Sony. Is there no Sony. Fantasy Star for you? No, I never really played Fantasy Star. I think, but at the time, 
I did, it took me like a long time to understand RPGs. Like I didn't get them when I was a kid. Right. I played like Dragon Warrior, and that was like the first one that kind of like I got it a little bit, and I, I played, I beat it. I actually beat Dragon Warrior, but it was just because I had like free time. I was all the curatory. I was grinding through it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Actually, so that was my first like experience with Toriyama, mm-hmm. and then I remember later when I was in like so. I lived on the east end of the city, which was like the less, the less well-to-do end. It was Dearborn, Michigan, is where I grew up. Right. I lived on the east end of the city, which is um, larger Arab population. So the whole city has like a very huge Middle Eastern population. It's like where I where I went to school is like fifty plus percent um, Arabic. So it was like actually um, majority Arab in the east end of the city, mm-hmm. and it's it's even more now. Um, but my parents still live there. But um, I was going somewhere with this. Oh, the west end of the city, they got, like, Cartoon Network and stuff before we did on the east end. So the mm. kids there, like, got to start seeing, like, Dragon Ball and some of those, like, some of the anime stuff, like, a couple years earlier. So when I when I went to high school, I went to high school in the west end of the city, and all of a sudden all these kids were, like, way into Dragon Ball. And mm. I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't know what it what, was. I, I was, like, had seen images of it, but I didn't really know what it was. Right. So I was, like, out of the loop. With the other nerdy kids, because I didn't know, like, what... I never watched Dragon Ball and stuff. But, right. Yeah. And you're just like, hey, Altered Beast? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I wasn't cool anymore, because yeah. I didn't watch Dragon Ball. And you start smoking. <laughs> yeah, so I had to start smoking, because it's one or the other. Either is smoking... Is his work an influence on yours? Uh, not really. I think I think the only thing that, like, directly, where I'm like, oh, I just want to steal that, or, like, just his vehicle designs, because they're just, like, amazing. Oh, yeah. They're like, really I cool. love tiny cars. In general, like, that's the kind of cars, like, I, I want. I don't own a car at the moment. I have to buy one now, because I'm moving back to Michigan, and you have to own a car there. Um, it's like a state law. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, and it probably has to be, like, a Ford. And you have in, to rap in the Detroit. Well. <laughs> yeah, you have to rap battle and throw up your mom's spaghetti. <laughs> but yeah, it's like... Town. I need to drop the microphone, Brandon. I actually lived... So I lived in Ferndale, which is outside Detroit. Um, it's like a... It's like a... It's, like, it's actually like... Right. The, it's like the gay suburb of... It's like where the, all the gay business and stuff is. Right. And so I lived there, so it's not like... Gay accounting. So I'm not... I'm not trying, it's not like Detroit proper. It's, it's not right. like the hard image of Detroit or whatever, but it was like... I lived like a block off eight mile, so... I, yeah, I was, you know... And right. that was... I was right in the heart of it, in the, the, the Detroit area, but, yeah, like, I, where I grew up in Dearborn, it was, like, a 15-minute drive or so from okay. Detroit. It was pretty close. It's all, like, the metro Detroit area, because there's actually not much in Detroit proper, really. Like, it's it's gotten a lot better over the last few years, but growing up, especially in, like, the late 80s, early 90s and stuff, there was, like, you know, not not a, not a lot for, for the suburban kid downtown other than, like, driving there to buy your drugs or whatever. There right. Wasn't, there wasn't much else much else reason to go there. But now there's, like, some cool neighborhoods have popped up and some restaurants. And it's sort of seen, like, some revitalization. Mm-hmm. There's still, like, huge structural problems. Infrastructure is terrible. It's a poorly managed city. But there's, like, some cool stuff there now. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So when did um, drawing come into effect for you, like, really getting into, like, capturing... This stuff. Uh, well, I, I like I've I always drew stuff. I didn't start like actually forming it into comic strips until I was in high school, and then it was it was strips at that time. And I actually had like a comic strip in my high school newspaper. Mm-hmm. For, what was like, it called? It was called Fuzz Muffin. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty subversive at the time because it was kind of vaginal sounding. Um, but yeah, that was. I didn't catch that. Oh, you didn't? Well, <laughs> let me tell you, what I thought a vagina looked like in, in high school was very different than yeah. what I soon found out it looked like. No, but it was like, 
you know, it was... Uh, My next book is called Shucked Clam. I was, <laughs> I was like, really... I don't know. It was basically just, like, a really blatant uh, Life in Hell ripoff, which was, like, a huge influence for me when I was younger. I was like really into Life in Hell. Right, I don't right, know why right. my, my my parents like bought me like Life in Hell. I remember getting like Life in Hell books when I was in like second third grade, and I was like, and I was like, it was like funny because like I don't understand. Like it's all about like L.A. in the eighties. It's like this, yeah. like and it's like, but I was like this suburban kid. Like I don't know. This is yeah, the bleakness of working, the drudgery of working in L.A. Yeah. in the nineteen eighties. Like oh, this resonates <laughs> with me. Way to way to slam it to David Byrne. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I just thought it was like you know they said like damn and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And I, I loved The Simpsons, of course, so, like, right. it was, you know, just kind of, sort of... Like, Were you drawing the, the rabbit character back then, as far back as then? Uh, no, the character I was drawing, because I didn't want to be too on the nose, was, like, essentially... <laughs> so instead of a rabbit, it was, like, it had, like, mouse ears, but it was basically just, like, the life in hell. Okay. Um, yeah, rabbits. But that, that is sort of, like, when I, when I, like, started, like, a couple years ago, I, like, played with the idea of drawing myself as a rabbit. I kind of, like, hated it, though. I hate anthropomorphizing myself, actually. I don't like drawing myself in general, and then, like, doing that I thought would make it better. Like, give me some freedom to, like, do some, like, auto-bio stuff. Right, like, your self-portraits in here are very, um... You always have to draw yourself like a like a cartoon cherub. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Why well, I have, like, stupid cheeks? I got kind of, like, big, <laughs> like, big cheeks, so I, I don't know. But I hate drawing myself, because it's always either, like, too flattering or, like, too unrecognizable. There's no, like, good balance. We had a conversation with uh, Eleanor Davis and Emily Carroll about about how there's a lot of in drawing yourself. You can kind of uh, enjoy the self-deprecation of it and kind of like uh, use it to uh, draw how you feel. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've never I've never been really comfortable with it. I'm never. I'm definitely not comfortable with auto bio stuff, like at all. I'm fine talking about my life. It's not like it's not like I'm like closed up about it, right. but drawing about it seems like the most drawing it seems like the most indulgent thing. But it's like, like it, to me it feels like jerking off. Like it's like I don't know, I don't and I don't by that I mean I don't want to share it with the world. Right. It's like it's just like it's just, <laughs> it's just a thing for me. Like and I and I like the thing is like I like reading some other people's like autobios stuff. Right. It depends, but like it's not like I hate the genre or anything. Yeah. I just don't it's not something I'm like I like to do. But a lot of your work really feels like you're taking real life elements and kind of putting them in these fantastical environments. Or yeah, like, I mean, I guess there's a lot of that, but or, or like using video game the, the video game stories that you make with video game characters to kind of process yeah your own points in time. I need like a fictional screen, otherwise it's like too yeah. There has to be something. There has to be some layer of something else there. Otherwise, right. it just doesn't. Well, I mean, it feels like sometimes you can get a little more... Almost sometimes you can get closer to the truth by using uh, an analogy for it. Yeah, I mean, because it's all, like... Also, my memory is terrible. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I take after my, my dad, and it's, it's a little frightening for me because, like, the older he gets, I feel like the worse his memory gets, and I, I feel like that's just... I don't know. I just have, like, a shit memory. And so, like, all my, like, <clears throat> personal anecdotes are, like... Uh, I would have a hard time, like, feeling like I was doing them justice anyway. Like, I don't know. I'm good with remembering, like, the story, but it comes to, like, sort of, like, trying to place the people there and remember what it, like, I, I don't know. It's all just so blurry. Like, I don't... Now, did you go to animation or film school or... I, I didn't. I went art school. Yeah, I went. I went to a community school for two years, and I was like, I had no direction. And then I went to. I transferred to like an art school for two years. So I spent like two years at an art school. I got a degree from there, so that's like it was illustration. Though mm -hmm. I didn't do any animation or. Um, Where was that at? 
It was a school called Kendall College of Art and Design of Ferris State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It, that is the full name of it. It was like 500 students. <clears throat> it's a really small school that started out as like a furniture school because there was like a lot of furniture design uh-huh. in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then they like added, they started into an art school over the years. Nice. But it's a really weird sort of. I How don't was know. the furniture at the school? Uh, it was okay. They actually like, they had some like um, places around that were like sort of like part of the school or affiliated with the school and they always had like pretty nice furniture. There was like a couple companies that are still in the city that basically I think they only really do like steel stuff there anymore like the company Steelcase and a couple other like um who do like steel furniture I think all the wood stuff is like you know I think that's all gone to like China at this by the by so now. you break into other people's houses and take their furniture <laughs> yeah all that steel <laughs> furniture Detroit style yeah steel <laughs> furniture <laughs> um now you were mentioning before we got started you 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 done animation and stuff was that kind of where you wanted to go when you were done there or Oh, like, so I've done some freelancing for animation in the last, like, couple of years, um, but it's pretty recent, like, last two, two and a half, maybe three years, uh, and I graduated back in, like, 2006, so it was, I, I didn't know, I think I thought I was supposed to do animation, because I didn't know what the hell else to do, like, I still, like, the comics thing, again, like, I liked comics, and I drew them sometimes as, like, a goof. It wasn't like anything I ever like really thought about doing professionally. Right, your comics are animated a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but like when, so when it came to, the, I thought that was like what you did. I don't know. I don't know what the hell to do with an illustration degree. And I'm like not a great illustrator. Like as far as like what the actual actual job of like being hired for like uh you know like freelance illustration or whatever. I'm putting together like a single image that feels like a complete thought is like not really something I'm good at. I'm go- I think I'm my strength is visual storytelling. Yeah. And so I was like so that's why storyboarding or comics actually is like a pretty decent fit, but um, I didn't know what to do with my degree, and I thought, like, well, maybe, like, you go work at Pixar. I was like, I don't know. Is that what you do? You just go to work at, like, Disney? Or, like, I don't know what to do with this. So that, so I did, I thought about animation, but I never, like, really took it serious enough to try. And at that point, I didn't realize that, like, if you wanted to work at Disney or Pixar, like, I probably should have just gone to, like, CalArts. <laughs> I probably should have taken my, my cartooning seriously and done that, you know, planned ahead a little bit. But I, I didn't, I... I basically have my entire life just made things up as I go. Right, but I imagine you kind of lose your voice in that in that too. Yeah, I mean, well, I also at that time I had no idea like what a board driven show was, mm-hmm. or or that that was a thing that would ever take off and become kind of more of the norm, and which is amazing for that's like the best thing to ever happen for comics people who have any desire to work in animation yeah, is yeah, that they're doing is like adventure time was like the best thing that could have happened because once that took off as like a board heavily board driven show all of a sudden everyone's like i feel like it became more and more normal to start doing board driven shows and cartoon network is pretty much all yeah. the vast majority of their shows are board driven now and like it's and they and they recruit from comics people it's like it's yeah. you know and so that's how i ended up doing storyboards and stuff cuz that's just they pull right. from that talent pool. I mean, yeah, the idea of somebody writing down a joke and then you trying to translate that visually just seems insane when you could just yeah make up visual jokes yeah it's so much i, I don't know i mean obviously i'm biased because i'm like a visual storyteller right. but um i i just yeah I, it's hard for me to imagine how a better, a better way, a, like better position to be right. in. Like you know, I don't know. So it I guess seems... before we go deep into the animation stuff, I'm yeah. interested in what got into your, um, how you started doing the kind of animated, the the kind of limited animation kind of gift stuff in your in your comics. Oh, I just 
I think I, I stole the idea from other people. Like, I saw... Delay, <laughs> was he a big one for you? I actually, I found him after. Oh, okay. Um, the first person I saw do it, I think, was uh, Mare Adomo. Oh, okay. And I think he was the first person I actually saw you do it. And, I, and his stuff was also, like, he was doing a lot of, like, Pokemon stuff. So I think I, I think I pretty much, like, the Zelda thing was, like, pretty much, I, when I did, like, one or two that were, like, Zelda animated gift comics, I think it was pretty much I saw his stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. And I just kind of did it. Like, I don't, I'm pretty sure I just stole it, basically, from him. <laughs> And then, like I didn't, I didn't do it like willing. Like, oh, I'm gonna steal this. But it was like, right. oh, I saw those. Like, oh, that's cool. Like he's like, you know, looking at video games in like a sensitive, in like a different way. Yeah. And so it was like more of like a sensitive lens. And then I was, and and he had some like animated gift stuff. And I was like, well, I want to see what would happen if I did that. And then like it wasn't like designed to get popular. I had just done one, and then somehow some video game like websites had found it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, I mean. Again, because I sort of make shit up as I go for my entire life is, like, the one strength of that is, like, you know, I'm flexible, just whatever. And so, like, as soon as that was getting popular, I was like, well, I should just do, like, a bunch of these. So I just started the website right away and just started doing a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept circulating, like, the internet. And that was kind of, like, how I started my entire career was just those, like, animated gif- video game comics. Oh, that's interesting. And Mari's kind of a, like, I know he's... He's friends with with Corey Lewis and those yeah. guys. probably an offshoot on like Brian O'Malley. Would you ever feel like connection to that scene at all? I actually the first year I went out to Seattle for PAX, um, I stayed with Mari and Corey when they were still living. They were still roommates. <laughs> I, like slept on their floor, so I know them like personally. Like I um, not like real well, but well enough to like you know say that. Um, I ran into Mari at his job the other day. Oh really? I don't even know what he's store. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. cats there. It's pretty good. That's pretty cool. I know <laughs> Corey. Was, Corey lived in Chicago for a while, and I've I'm, I've been in Chicago, and he was a real short while, and uh-huh. then he moved to Boston. But uh, I saw him like once or twice when he were he was in Chicago, and yeah. So I mean, I'm like I don't know Brian at all. Never. I think I may have may have said hi to him once, but I don't mm-hmm. know him. No eye contact. No. Yeah. I just <laughs> I just looked down. Well, I was just looking straight ahead, so I was looking at his, like, chest. Were you chest. doing video game comics when you were, when he was kind of blowing up with Scott Pilgrim? No, no, I mean, that was, I, I, I did those, like, video game comics for about two years. The Magical Game Time was a, pro, was a project that lasted about two years and no, started... Magical Castle Time. Oh, Mag- I'm sorry, Magical Castle. <laughs> Magical Castle Time. Uh, it started, like, two years ago. Oh, it started, like, three or four years ago. I don't remember what it was. God, it feels like yesterday. And then I did them for about two years, and then I, I guess I haven't been doing it for about a year or so, and um, it, was, it was like a really, like, it was a really short thing, and it was kind of just like, I, I liked doing it, and I felt like a, a connection to it, I'm not like, um, but I, I also felt like I kind of started to outgrow it a little bit pretty fast, I guess, it, but by that I mean like, not like the subject matter, or whatever. I just, I ran out of things to say, like, but I was like, well, I've, I've kind of like... <laughs> said the things I wanted to say about video games, and it's like I'm just kind of spinning my wheels. So, I'd, but thankfully, like other work was already coming in, and so I was like, oh, well, I have stuff to move on to. Well, so that's good. They're very di- like I want to make sure folks know there's a very strong distinction, distinctive difference between what you were doing with your stuff and what a lot of those guys were doing. Right. Like I feel like, um, there's a lot of introspection in your video game work, um, where with Corey Lewis, it's more like. Well, someone like Mario is interesting because Mario was doing these series of comics that you mentioned before. There were, there were Pokemon comics that were from the point of view of Ash writing letters to his dad. Yeah, but but it's interesting because even that it, it feels very different from your work. Yeah, I know you could see the subject matter being somewhat like it's your work. I don't need to know video games to enjoy it because I don't know video games very well. Mm-hmm. I have played Zelda 
but there's it's just like I think like you're saying earlier where it's just you're kind of using these ciphers to tell you that story you need to tell or kind of work through that emotion yeah I mean I think when it's like successful the stuff that I did that probably was the best was more personal and the stuff that I did that was kind of frivolous was the stuff that was just more like haha Ganon like is a you know thing it's like it's just a little bit like too whatever um and you know some of my stuff is that too but some of them were just and those are just as popular honestly but like the stuff that like I think holds up better was the stuff that was more like just introspective and personal and like I don't know I think it's just one of those things where um you, I just like was honest about it like when I was making it, it just it is like some of it just feels more honest and that's like a hard thing to do sometimes with right. whatever work you're doing it's hard to do that but I think like people always connect with that more than they do with anything else you do so it's like I don't know it's a it's a hard thing to actually get in that headspace but you have to be in that headspace like when you're writing it I think too it's another thing that sounds like a little fucking I don't know that sounds like flaky <laughs> no, it, no, sounds like, it sounds like it sounds like something that like i don't know like well it's not like you're going to like a whole bunch of like push-ups and like slam back a couple of protein shakes like all right i'm gonna write something sensitive yeah well you just you just that have good <laughs> there's something there's something about like i think getting yourself like into the like emotional level of whatever you're trying to do that is beneficial to work I don't, yeah i don't really know how to do that always though because it's like usually you don't want to it's, like, exhausting, though, too, right? Right. right? To, like, try to, like, drum up, like, genuine emotions. Like, all right, I'm going to, like, write this, like, really powerful. And then you're, like, it's fucking exhausting when yeah, you actually you, try to feel that. Right. You almost have to put yourself in a place where it's, you, it's, it's like, um, I always compare working on a comic to, like, having a rusty lawnmower. And you're kind of trying to push it. Nothing's going anywhere. And then by the time the wheels start actually spinning, it's, like, the the weight of the thing is kind of pulling you along. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs> One of the things I feel like with your work is um, you really try and boil it down to the essence. Does that make sense? Like, you're trying to, like, really hit the specific markers and not um, get lost in a lot of minutia. I can't even speak today. Minutia. Minutia. I yeah. assumed, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I... I mean, I hope so. I guess, like, I always try to, like, aim it at an audience that's sort of... I guess a lot of my stuff is aimed at, like, a little bit of a younger audience, too. So I try to just, like, cut out as much bullshit as possible, I guess. So that, like... Because, I don't know. It's just, 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 get, just get to the point. Just move on. Like, tension spans are short. Just get just get, get it down to, like, the, the bare... What are you actually trying to do? And then just move on. Well, there is, in the, in the way that you talked about Robin kind of not meaning to know the video game stuff, there is that kind of just knowing about, like, you you're assuming the reader kind of is with you on the stuff and you're not kind of talking down to them. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you know this, you know that, like, you know he's got a magical sword, let's not dwell on it, let's just talk about which, it. Which is, like, actually super ironic because games now always, like, hold your hand too much. Which right. is, <laughs> like, it's the exact opposite of, like, what modern games feel like, which is, like, press the R, press the R trigger to, like, look around. It's like, well, whatever, I don't know. Like, press the R stick to look around. Of course I'm going to do that, because, like, I've played a game in the last ten yeah. years or whatever. So it's like, well, I, I got it. But, you know, it's... it's the, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't... It's so much of that stuff is just kind of... And all the stories are, like, the same. Like, it's not that hard to figure out, like, a... We just see we tell the same stories over and over again with yeah. like different trappings. It's like you can figure you can fill in the blanks. Like yeah, uh, totally. I always get super annoyed when like every time I see Spider Man's origin. Like, <laughs> Fuck you. We know. And if we didn't know, it wouldn't matter. We know he went into the Negazone and was blasted by 
quasi gamma quasi gamma or whatever yeah and then picked up thor's hammer and then he became spider-man yeah everyone totally. knows the story yeah <laughs> Stop rehashing. <laughs> Didn't use his hands to pick it up. That's the, the story, and it's where people don't usually know. <laughs> but. <laughs> a lot of so, when did you start to move more from doing stuff on the web to print? Um, I guess when they let me. Like, so for the first like chance I had was that Costume Quest book. Um, and it was a thing where I had. So, I had met some of the people at Double Fine, and. Um, who did the Costume Quest game games, 1 and 2, and there's sort of like a 1.5 also. Um, but I met some of them out at PAX in Seattle, and they had seen uh, a, a webcomic I did about um, about Costume Quest, the game, mm-hmm. series, and uh, they really liked it. And I guess they had, some of them had like, they, they were video game people, so they liked the video game comics that right. I did. And then there came an opportunity to do like a tie-in. Originally it was just supposed to be like a short sort of tie-in to the, to promote the second game, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of like, I feel like I kind of upsold them and talked them into doing a book. Uh, it was a really short time window, so I did that whole book. It was just, I mean, it's not huge; it's like fifty pages. Mm-hmm. I did it like start to finish, and I think it was like under two months. Oh wow! wow. So I, I, I wrote I mean, it and drew it, and it was really it was a crazy couple months. Uh, but and and it's like I really had to convince them that I could do it. It was like no, like let's just I want to do a book, and it'll be great. And we had to talk to Oni and. They were on board, and they had seen my stuff and liked it, so I uh, worked with uh, Charlie um, Chu over there as editor mm-hmm. on it, and uh, he was really um, serving my corner, too, and say, you know, helped push it through. So, uh, nice. And then once that happened, then now I'm, you know, that that's what got me Rick and, writing Rick and Morty right. for them, too. Well, it's so really interesting, because it's, it's, a, it's a licensed tie-in thing that, like, I... I um, you don't need to know where it's from to it's enjoy it. It's good, which is weird for licensed tie-in is my point. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, licensed... I doing It's weird, because, like, I mean, a lot of stuff I was doing was, like, unlicensed, but still, like, essentially right. based on pre-existing properties, and now I'm doing licensed stuff with, you know, I did the Costume Quest book, writing Rick and Morty, yeah. both licensed things... But with Costume Quest especially, I made up a lot of it. Like, all the, a lot of the characters... Most of the main... All the main characters and most yeah. of the ancillary characters, too, are, like, originals. There's only a couple, like, sort of crossover cameos... Um, so that was like really just kind of do your own thing, keep it set within this world of, you know, the monsters, the portals and stuff. And it's, uh, so that was pretty free to do whatever. Um, so I guess I didn't feel like I had a lot of obligation to like connect it too firmly to the series. So it felt like, so it stands a little pretty easily on its own, I think. Right. Did Um, you always know it was going to be this kind of oversized European hardcover? They had told me that. And I mean, I was laying out, I was drawing it at that like at that scale, but I didn't. I don't think I realized it really mm-hmm. until I like got it. Like they had told me the dimensions, and I was like, oh, okay, fine." And they sent me like you know I was working on it, and then I saw it. And I was like, Holy, "This is huge!" Yeah, it's really, it's really <laughs> it feels so big to actually see your stuff. So, like how that. big were you drawing the pages? Well, I did all digital, so okay. sort of um, indiscriminate size, right. but That's which amazing. is which is like a real problem. I don't know. I don't like that about digital works. My my least favorite thing about drawing digital is the size thing. I want to. It's it's hard to feel. Um, I don't I don't like zooming in on your work. I want to just I, I want I, I so I, I really don't usually like I don't I try not to zoom in because it's like well I don't need to over detail this. I want to just whatever it needs to be for print. Mm-hmm. Like if it's for print, like or if it's for the web, like work at whatever size you need it for the web and yeah. just stay that far out. Stay however far like I try to stay like about as far out as you know the viewer is gonna read it from size wise. But it's such a hard thing to actually gauge. Well, and um, <clears throat> I noticed yesterday. At uh, Van Cafe, you're drawing like with a nib and stuff. 
Yeah, that's pretty new for me. Yeah. But I think I, I think I kind of want to try to do some of that going forward. Especially for the stuff that I feel like is is artier, mm-hmm. I guess it deserves more of of the of the time. Some some of the stuff is just like you know it's uh, I, I mean I, I take it all seriously or whatever. But there's some stuff that I don't think it needs that much um, love and fussing when it comes to the nuanced details of the pen strokes. But right. some stuff does. So you know. Well, it's definitely like I mean you for that book in Brazil, you you kind of went with the specific stylistic intent and stuff because you also put the in the back of the book there's the original yeah fan comic you did it's just drawn differently yeah i I, honestly a lot of it was kind of um a bunch of ads which is really weird for a 25 dollar hardcover it it is really weird i thought that was weird too i don't know if it's like filling out (laughs) filling out pages i guess but um yeah i i i guess it was it was sort of like it was hard for me. So the first, I remember the first like week or so of trying to actually sit down and draw, start drawing the book. So I had very little time, as I mentioned before, and it was kind of just. At, at first, I always go through this like it's like a nightmare. It's like I, I don't know how I'm gonna draw this, what I want it to feel like, and then it turns into holy shit, I'm running out of time. I need it to look like something, yeah. and so I just started drawing, and then it was like, well, I guess this is what the first page looks like, so I guess this is what the rest of the pages have to look like, because basically what that's that's as far as the thought process goes. And it's like, you know, I I mean, if I had had more time, I always think well, maybe I would have been able to, you know, do it better, but really, I don't think I would have, because I just would have, I still eventually have to commit to something. Like, I'm just, I have to commit to whatever it's going to be and just do it, so. Right. I'm interested in, in kind of your process with coloring, because it seems like a really big part of your work. Actually, I just, the other day, I just, like, ordered some books on color theory because I was like, you know what, maybe I should actually learn how to do this. Because the art school I went to, like, we didn't learn any of that stuff. We, we learned, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I, maybe I was just not paying attention, but I feel like I never really got into, like, that sort of stuff. So it's always just been, like, um, sort of guess and check. Okay. It's just, what it, this is, whatever coloring you see is just sort of, like, an innate, my innate sens- sensibilities but it's not like a studied sensibility. Like I'm, I'm just kind of starting to do that now, and hopefully I get better. I'm wondering if uh, dungeon um, is one of the things. Dungeon is a huge influence for me. That was actually so. It's funny. So the, it's really obvious when you look at my work that it's like I'm very much aping like French styles or informed by French styles. Or if you want to be. As well? Uh, not really. I, I'm like kind of familiar with the stuff, but not. I, it's not like a. It wasn't like a big thing for me. Okay. It was mostly like uh, Blaine and Trondheim and and like as far. Uh, but what happened was, so I was living in Berkeley at the time. I moved out there with my wife, and this was like 2008, 2009, maybe. And I graduated school in like I got out of school in like 2006. So. And at that time, when I was in school, I was basically drawing, like, all, like, really graffiti-inspired. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, I was, I think I was, like, really into, like, Scotty Young and some of those people. And that was, like, what I thought. Because I, I didn't know what, I didn't know, like, what, I had no real, like, stylistic direction, sort of. And I always felt like I'd never figured out what the thing was. And then I, when I discovered, like, French comics, which was years after I was out of school, and then I was like, oh, like, that's the thing. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I get it. Like, that's the thing I was looking for, and I didn't know it existed because I was like super on, you know, I I was like uneducated in comics, so I didn't realize. I, and then I, once I opened up my like, to, like like BD comics and stuff, I was like, oh, this is right. this is wonderful. Like, this is exactly what I should be doing. So so then I like borrowed a lot, and then I think I've brought it back 
in like now I've brought in more of like the sort of roots like um, American cartooning stuff that I like grew up on has come has crept back in. But initially it was just like that was that was it. That was it. I was like, oh, this is what this is what things should be. Yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and Dungeon was the first fun. one. I actually found it. And it's funny you mentioned something earlier about oh Rick and Morty. You had mentioned Rick and Morty being carried in the kids section. Oh yeah. Well, they had they had Dungeon in the kids section, which is kind of like. I don't know. It'd be awesome to find it. It was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, snake lady sex in it and stuff. Yeah. It was, there's nothing like terrible in it, but it's like, it was, I don't think it belongs in the kids section. And I was at, it was at like this comic store and I was like, oh, I should, you know, I don't know. I kind of want, maybe I should start making kids comics, look at kids comics. And I like found that, I was like, what is this? And I just had like. That's it, because the publisher that does Dungeon specifically has a kids line that Dungeon isn't in. Hmm. Um, so in, in doing your color, is it? Are you working in Photoshop to, when you draw? Uh, I mostly Manga Studio. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's like my big one. Does it have the same? As a, it, a, a lot of your color stuff has this nice like um, overlay feel to it. Like you're messing with light a lot. I, I do that a lot. Or used to do that more. I guess now I'm trying to make it more innate. But like a lot of it was like for a long time, and some of that, some of that still is. But like mm-hmm. it was just you know you play with a filter and stuff and then you see how that affects the colors and then you can kind of tweak from there um i, I just really i always like really like like really dramatic tonal lighting really? like a lot like i like really dramatic and i i like it for like storytelling purposes like dramatic shifts in like everything's everything's blue here because it's night just like really go for it don't yeah. like don't don't kind of like yeah so I, li- I like really dramatic i like i also really like like that um for like movies and stuff that like which I don't, I don't really incorporate enough in my comics, and I should start doing it. Was like that nineteen eighties like colored gel lighting. Like I wish I, I love bright, I love bright like dramatic colors for lighting. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it's really nice effect. And that 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 book, the Costume Quest, actually, um, I was it was a lot brighter on screen. So it ended <laughs> up being it was printed on like matte paper, and yeah. you know once it go it's CMYK instead of I. Like an idiot, I colored pretty much the whole thing in RGB, hmm. and it looks on a computer screen in RGB. It's like super loud, and then you know because it was transitioned to CMYK, of course, right. for print, and then printed print on matte paper. It actually came out a lot flatter than it looks than it was looking when I was working on it. So I was actually trying to go a lot louder, but then I kind of had to settle for. Was this the first? Was Costume Quest the first book where you hit you? The production things like like do working in CMYK. Yeah, it was the first time. I first time I've ever done like a real book for print. And I, I had no idea. Like, I mean, I again, like, I'm not. I knew that was a thing. I just wasn't thinking. I was just. I was. I was used to working for web. So right. I was like, oh, this is fine. This looks great. Like, oh well, yeah, it looks great now. Yeah. Me and my wife had about two years of her working in comics for print, where she was just like, ugh, fine, I'll do it in CMYK. <laughs> the colors are worse. They are worse. They're just definitively worse looking. I don't know what it is. I can't... I mean, when you're on the screen, it's well, just it's like... limited. Yeah. Because you got to stick with what print can yeah. be as opposed to what... Yeah. That's great. It's ugly. You only get like a gazillion colors. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to yeah. like 12 gazillion. Yeah, I know. I'm complaining. It used to just yeah. be like... You have like 20 spot colors to choose from. That's it. There's this great story of uh, in the 60s where Neil Adams was really frustrated because DC was limited in the amount of colors they could do because they didn't want to pay for another color in the process. And so he actually went to the point of calling the printers and finding out a way to negotiate to get more colors. Like, oh, we can, we can throw another color in there. Right. <laughs> I think it was, the way I heard it was the thing where he was just like, can we use this color? And they're like, no, that's not possible. So he actually just went over their heads and called the printer. And they're like, yeah, cool, <laughs> why not? You're allowed to have red in your comic. <laughs> so, and, and you mentioned the... the um, 
or before we started talking on this, you you'd mentioned that you're working on a, an animated costume quest. Yeah, yeah, they just sort of like leaked that out online, so I think it's okay for me to talk about. But um, yeah, they're doing like a doing like a costume quest pilot uh, with Frederator. Nice. So and that's the Adventure Time. Yeah, that's the, the studio that does Adventure Time, and they do Be and Puppy Cat and some other things on online. So Bravest Warriors. Right, and you're doing that. Is it board driven the way you're doing it, like Adventure Time? Yeah, I mean, I I wrote it and boarded it, so it was nice. sort of it was sort of me driven at this point. But like, I guess in theory, I it will be. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, assuming they do more, I guess. I don't know. I don't, and I'm not sure what my involvement would be beyond the pilot uh, either. But um, the pilot was definitely sort of. Um, I don't know. If it's if it's bad, it's my fault. Like I I, I did I've done, up to this point, I've done pretty much everything for it. So um, Pat McHale, the direct the creator of like Over the Garden Wall, mm-hmm. is directing it. Um, but in sort of a um, he's almost sort of sort of like managing overseeing the project okay. um, because. I think I, I, he had mentioned to me that he feels like a little uncomfortable with the title of director on it, but he's but he is like overseeing the the project and like work working with the voice actors and stuff and right, like it is fixing really, it up because it's like a little you know yeah because the transition from comics to animation is weird yeah well it's it's not actually like based on the book it's closer to the game series. Oh, so it's like, it's the four kids from the video game series and stuff. I, I don't know, I actually don't know how much I'm supposed to be talking about the specifics of it, but, um, yeah. One of the things you talked about before uh, the interview, um, and I want to get into a little bit more, is some of your other animation work, uh, specifically for the um, American terrorist group, the Insane Clown Posse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're a terrorist organization. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I did, the, the reference there is to the fact that I did a storyboard, I did some storyboards for the follow-up video, for ICP's follow-up video to, um, to Miracles. And I forget what the song was even called, I don't know. It was basically what happened was, so a friend of mine was, I've already told you, I'm repeating this story, but. It's amazing. And I, a, friend, a friend of mine uh, edited, actually, uh, so I'm from the Detroit area, a friend of mine edited Miracles, and they, they did a lot of the post-production for uh, ICP's stuff, and uh, so he brought me in, because he was like, hey, you know, sort of easy money, like, you want to come in, like, draw some, because they ha- they kind of throw a lot of money around, uh, and... And Fago. They throw a lot of money and Fago around. They have a lot of money. They The Gathering of the Juggalos and those things, I think they bring in a lot of money, and so they have a lot of money to spend on these videos, which it doesn't look like they are, but they are spending a lot of money, and... <laughs> I can guarantee you that they are spending a lot of money, and uh, and but what they were trying to do was more or less recreate. And I'm not sure. Like, it's always a kind of this gray area of like how in on the joke are, are they, right? I mean, I mean, regardless, they're they're sort of like laughing all the way to the bank, regardless. But like, how in on it are they, right? So like, so when they made miracles, I'm pretty sure that was like supposed to be like a, I think I think that was like supposed to be like pretty genuine. Like, I think was like, I think, oh, was, yeah, yeah. I think they were pretty, I think they were pretty genuine about it, but then it got like, it, but then it became such like a meme. At what like point a, are you working with developmentally disabled people that are becoming millionaires off of their... Yeah, yeah, so then it, then it became, it was, once it became like, sort of like a, a meme, it was, uh, they, they were trying to like recreate it. They were basically trying to do another one, and it was like really, it was even worse somehow, because it was like forced, because it was trying to yeah. be like, right. oh, we're in, it was trying to like nudge, nudge, like it was like wink, nudge to the audience, right. but it was like, well, you don't... People only liked it because it was like Fucking genuine. Because it was like genuinely work? bad. Like it was not, you know. Anyway, so I actually I never saw the finished product, but I did a couple. I have been paid 
by the insane clown posse. That is that is the truth. They, At the end of the, the day, they, they cut me a check. Their faces on. No, I didn't get to meet either of them, which was like a huge bummer. Like I really wanted to meet one of them at least. I think that would have been a great story, but unfortunately, the story ends there. Yeah, yeah you're not uh, so was, tweeting at Shaggy. Was it Shaggy a, too? Shaggy too dope. Was it a live action video that you were reporting for? It was. Yeah, it was like a live action video. I was basically just like plotting out some like of the effects shots, but they were like. So, because I'm interested in like, um, like all I've had so many all of my interactions with. ICP. Yeah, it's always slightly disappointing. You're never just like, oh man, I'd love to do something with someone cool, and it's always like, well, here's an insane clown costume. (laughs) Like, were you? I imagine you had to delve deeper into their music than. Uh, No, I mean, I was, I was like, I, yeah, it was like two days worth of work for me, and I just sat in there, and the guy who was sort of like, my friend who was working on it, just sort of like. Gave me some like loose instruction and like mm-hmm. all right they're looking for it like just you know just give me like some like a sketch basically they were just putting together like a like an animatic to show them right. to show the clowns and then they would <laughs> then they would like give it a thumbs up or thumbs down so I was basically just drawing like animatic back like you know uh, filler stuff so right. it was it was really like I didn't I don't even think I listened to the song really like it was you know right. I was barely in I, I was just there for like a couple days but yeah right was that was the point of you bringing that up Robert just to, to shame Zach. We just, just want to make it public. I don't know yeah. if it'd be shame. Well, Robin's been threatening doing going to the gathering. <laughs> Him and Simon Hanselman were talking about like they should go, and I'm 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 basically like trying to set up an intervention to stop them. Because <laughs> I don't think they understand what they're getting into. Oh, I know what I'm getting into. I want to go to the drug bridge. Yeah, I think you basically just read an issue of Harlequin and were like, "This will be fun." <laughs> <laughs> Who does not want to see me and Simon at the gathering? In full juggalo. Do they have their own, like, if they have so much money, do they have their own brand of makeup, do you think? Probably. I don't know. Because there's I, all the subgroups that kind of also wear makeup. When I was in New York, um, once, I went to the McDonald's in Times Square. Because that's what you do in New York. And It's the best was, place to eat, I hear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's decent <laughs> fries. Um, and I saw a bunch of juggalo kids. And I was like, oh, man, I should take a photo. I want to get a photo of them. How do I do that? Like, try and do it on the sly, like, walk by. And I'm like, what am I doing? These are juggalos. I'm like, so I go up to them, hey, guys, can take a photo? like, fuck you! <laughs> and I looked at it recently, and I realized, like, two of the kids, kids that are, like, late teens probably, have, like, fake contact lenses oh, yeah. and full clown makeup. And You don't half-ass a juggalo. Yeah. You've got to go full clown. <laughs> the funny thing is seeing like 17 of them get into a tiny car. <laughs> um, now, I'm really interested in, because right now we're seeing a lot of um, great uh, web comics folks, alternative comics folks, uh, not only going into in animation doing storyboards, but they're also working on licensed work. And it's something I'm having a tough time with seeing. Um, and I'm wondering about your own experience in that, because... Um, a lot of folks who it's a new opportunity for them with a, with a nice paycheck which may not be getting before what's your issue with the room uh, you mean other than the fact that some publishers don't pay royalties and oh right certainly. and also just that kind of creative process where you're kind of going from doing really personal work to doing really commercial work where you don't necessarily see that as much with folks that do superhero commercial work that's kind of their goal where sure when you're doing personal work you're doing because right, you're almost that. being asked to bring your emotional, the emotional weight that you do in your personal work to commercial properties, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends for me, for, at least for me, choosing stuff is sort of, um, like, the only reason I I want, I really want, I put myself out there too, right, Rick and Morty, I wasn't, like, that's a, James uh, Lucas Jones tells the story differently than I do, but the way I remember it happening was he more or less asked me if I would, he said they were trying to acquire it, acquire the license, asked me if I wanted to be involved, and then immediately I was like, I, I, I said, like, oh, I want to write it. Yeah. And then, so I put myself out there as a writer. I sent, like, that same night that, like, he had asked if I wanted to be involved, I sent, like, ten pitches for, like, episodes. And then th- those ended up getting, for like, passed along to Justin and Dan. Nice. And then when they saw him, they, like, they really liked him, and so I was hired, like, immediately, pretty much. But um, the reason I, like, the reason I wanted to do it was because I thought I could do it well, and I thought it would be, like, a fun, a fun thing to do. Um, but I guess I, I do think that, in general... Um, it's weird to, to work on stuff in that capacity because you're being paid about as well as you would be probably if you're working on, if you had your own IP in print, right? It's like yeah. not, the paycheck isn't like, like if you're working on Batman, you're making you're making a lot more money than if you're like working on, um, like, I don't know, like any like the cartoon network, sort of like licensed comics and yeah, stuff. Right. Um, so it kind of has some of the negatives but not necessarily the same perks right so yeah. it's it is kind of like a weird a weird space to be in um it can be kind of a good place to sort of uh learn how to make comics too though like this, this is the first series i've ever written and it kind of um it's kind of like an ra experience it's kind of like an ra learning experience too for me and it's it's easy it's fairly easy to write i think i don't know why I mean, they might be bad but i i find maybe i'm just not trying hard enough but like i don't think it's like the most challenging thing to write because someone's already done the the work of like creating the the characters and the and the sort of tone of it for you and then you're just kind of writing fan scripts basically so yeah. it's it's like it takes some of that some of the weight of it off you right um, which can be all right because then it's like well you know i can still focus on other work too at the same time this is this isn't my life this isn't my baby the good thing about it being like not your, there's a good thing about it being not your baby which is like it's not going to emotionally break you really it's not going to be like if, if this if this book fails it's like uh or whatever i don't know i guess i'll just do something else like it's not like uh, i don't know you don't have that crazy weight and i think that weight can be really um awful for young creators i think that i think it like ruins people it's like um just that wanting to get that perfect story out there, and then they never do anything. Like right. I see that happen to so many people. They have their they have these babies, and they're just like so attached to them. And then if they can't get that one made, or if they get it made and it doesn't really work out, it's like that's kind of it sometimes. And yeah. so it's it's kind of an alright place to like get your start, but right. it's not somewhere where I think most people like dream of ending up. Right. Well, something like Rick and Morty is it? Um, is it something where I mean, it's such a fantastic show. Is it? Is there the, do you feel the weight of living up to the the stuff they they've made on the on the cartoon? Kind of. Um, I mean, I want it to feel like the cartoon as much as possible, but the truth is, it's a comic, and so it's like only going to feel so much like the cartoon right. because uh, it, you know. I mean, I think the parts that are going to make it feel like a cartoon are honestly when people kind of fill in the gaps themselves um, by fans of the show who are familiar with the show are kind of filling in those mental animation gaps and kind of making it feel more like the show. It's like, it's this weird, uh, it's an interesting challenge, um, and I think most, like, God, I shouldn't say that, I feel like most licensed comics, like, that I've read, like, I don't really enjoy, 
think I don't really like I don't really like licensed comics that much, but I'm writing one now, so it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like well, I just it's a hard thing to do well in a in a weird way, but it's also kind of an easy thing to do okay. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so totally I don't weird. I don't know like you can also see the faults about why you don't want to what you don't like about the other ones that you read. Yeah, so I so I've done like a couple issues now and I'm I've written six of them and like I'm starting to get to the point where I'm I think I'm finally kind of figuring out like what I should be doing with it or what I want to do with it. So mm-hmm. now I'm sort of moving into like doing a little bigger like co- more comic-y sort of plots because at first I was just like well I just wanted it to feel like episode plots and now it's mm-hmm. that that doesn't really that doesn't make as much sense to me anymore. Like, why... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a comic. It's not the cartoon. It doesn't right. have to be... And did, did Oni hook you up with C.J. Cannon, the artist on it, or was he... Yeah, he yeah. Was... And he was just, uh... I think... I think he was just, like, a... From, from the... So, sorry that I've heard. is I, I believe he was, like, a... Like, a fan... Like, doing, like, um... Fan art and stuff on, on Tumblr, mostly, was, like, most of the art that he had out there. And I think may have... Might have, like, known... Known some of the people from the show or something. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, just kind of like got his name out there, and he's doing a great job with the, uh, with with actually like I mean he, he draws on model like amazingly well. He's doing a really good job with it. Um, I, I no go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I, I write my scripts as uh, as layouts, not as like scripts. So I, I write I write I draw like really sketchy layouts, okay, and block in the text well. and stuff because like I can't write. I can't write scripts. Yeah. I, I hate it. I hate it. My script, I tried to write a script for the first issue and it was so bad. And I was like, this just isn't funny at all. So I've let been, me just try to lay it yeah. out. And then it worked a lot better. So. I've been the thing where, where some people that I don't like me doing layouts, well, I will have to do layouts and then I'll write a script for my layouts and not show them the layouts. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Who, so, who do you know that's like, I mean, why don't I? Oh, no, no. Like, my, who, my wife, I do, uh, me and my wife are working on it. Marion Churchland is working on a comic with me right now and, she prefers to figure out the layouts herself, and so I just kind of give her text, but I have to yeah. kind of go through a process just to write a comic that's like that. Because I, I think that, as an artist, I would find it obtrusive if someone else was doing my layouts. Because, like, that's, to me, that's, like, the, the thing... Well, I would all, I've also... I don't know. I'm not sure that I would draw a book someone else was writing. I did a... I did a um, yeah, I mean, I'm very much in the same boat. Recently, I did a... My, my recent, one of my recent fan comics was I did a, an issue of Adam Warren's Empowered Comic, which and I've been a fan of his stuff since I was a kid, as you can see from my gross Adam Warren shrine that was doing it. <laughs> and um, and I had him do layouts, and it was so much fun for me to to be able to work off of someone else's storytelling style and and the oh, things yeah. that he does that I wouldn't do, and vice versa. And like like he it was really like when I kept sending him pages, it was really important for him to see the character's facial expressions, and it made me aware of how often I just don't show someone's face. Hmm. Because I'm like, yeah, I'll draw the back of their head. So it was, it was like it was like a real learning experience for you. Then yeah, you felt yeah, like you fun. felt like it, it like was a good. It was a... And, and in a way, it's in a kind of um, me being on the other side of having to do layouts for other people. Yeah, it's really nice to. It's, yeah, because yeah. that's the terrifying thing about working with a writer that doesn't draw is they they can't feel your pain, man. Yeah, <laughs> I I haven't I haven't yet worked with with a writer. Are they going to publish the your layouts at all on the? On the collected Rick and Morty right Oh, I don't think so. They're really bad. They're really, they're really sketchy. Um, and C- CJ sticks to them uh, fairly, fairly tight. So, um, so the, the book's like, I mean, the book's like a fairly accurate representation of the sort of pacing of my layouts. Um, Is there any, It doesn't change much. Do you work with the colorist very much? 
Uh, no, I don't. I just see the right. colors. I don't. I don't work with anyone very much. Honestly, yeah. I'm so. It's so hands off. I write. I write here like speak to my lawyer. <laughs> my agent will talk yeah. to you. Uh, no, I just. I do like. I draw the script, put you know, send in like some notes with it stuff and stuff. Send that off, and then a couple weeks later, I see. I see a, a book. Like I don't. And a Mark Ellerby backup. He did some only books for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's on a bunch of stuff. And the the colorist uh, Ryan is is really Ryan Hill is really good, um, and and I met him and he's a hell of a cool guy too. Big big pro wrestling fan, so we just bonded over that right away. Because when you meet another one, you're like, oh yeah, we, we got oh, something yeah. to talk about. Is we we can go all night. ICP with that, they love wrestling. They do. They they ran a really terrible promotion for a number of years. It was like a backyard wrestling thing. I think mm-hmm. they made a video game out of it for like the Xbox, the first Xbox. They did for one of the <laughs> gatherings. They had a midnight wrestling where there's no lights, just flashlights. <laughs> they they're probably horribly dangerous stuff with very under talented people. Yeah. I don't I don't know anyone who like came out of there and like did any I I'm probably forgetting someone and someone yeah. listening to this podcast who's like a wrestling fan is gonna be like, oh you don't know that like Cold Cabana wrestled with them once? I'm like, no I didn't know. I'm sure that's not true. But on like, some level being an ICP fan is basically signing up for getting tetanus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It really could make it hard for me and uh, Simon to go to the drug bridge. <laughs> You might, you might be. Wouldn't it be funny if you found out that you were just like alienating like a large percentage of your listeners? Oh, no. <laughs> like you just didn't realize like what a large percentage were were juggalos. I could yeah. get rid of my hatchet now. Yeah, I had a I had a friend, the guy who did the tattoo on my neck, drew a juggalo hatchet thing on my wall at my old apartment. Oh yeah, and it was there for like a year before I realized what it was. <laughs> <laughs> So like everyone coming over was just like oh I guess no one knew I mean yeah, we're okay. you know I mean clearly everyone coming into my house is all about D twelve so we didn't deal with the ICP <laughs> yeah well I mean like and, in in growing up in like in Metro Detroit it was like I mean it was everywhere like when you it was always like those like that was what the like the ed, the edgy kids in like sixth grade were like really into ICP nice. that was like the the one who were really mad at their dad yeah was there a divide when when the when that was going on when the m&m stuff started getting uh, yeah, I think all i know about uh, well, detroit's was well time. i think at that point at that point <laughs> i feel like icp was already like pretty passe okay. like he was it was clear that like at that point like m&m was cool and they were you know they were right. they were fighting a losing battle like, but people like, didn't have to change their allegiance they were cool like during like around the same time as probably like people were also listening to like marilyn manson oh yeah i feel like he was more like I feel like it was like that was like the crowd that I always associated ICP with was like the kids who were like really into like corn, Marilyn Manson, those kind of things. They yeah. also liked ICP. New metal. Right. New metal, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like like the proto Slipknot. days. When it slipknot, oh yeah. That's yeah, like yeah. the evil Ernie of music, isn't it? It's like chaos <laughs> comics. Yeah. It is kinda, yeah. 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 Are you ready for the filth? I was going to say Vertigo, but Vertigo is the cure of comics. Yeah, Vertigo is more like, uh, yeah, Susie and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. A little bit what? of you, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Probably some, some uh, pop at a certain point. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So some, like, Sad Oasis uh-huh. songs. Yeah, and now they, like, um, uh, what's the, who, who did Avril Lavigne marry? Nickelback? Yeah, that little Nickelback now. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> Your ooh. face, Vertigo, Nickelback, burn! <laughs> I don't. What are what are what are, the, what are their big books right now? I don't. Uh, Fables, I think, still is ending soon. Yeah, and that's written by like a neoconservative guy. I don't. I don't read uh, a lot of comics. 
honestly. As as much like I don't, no, I don't, no. I don't like go to a store regularly. I don't yeah. like buy. Well, your I, work it feels it's nice that it's something enjoyable. At your work is it feels like like I can see the European and Japanese influence, but it's not like like oh man, he totally read the new X Men. <laughs> <laughs> I know so little, but it's embarrassing when I go to shows. Um, because I know so little about comics. So this is like a funny story. Like just at, in Toronto, mm-hmm. there was like this old guy, like I was making weight at my table for the longest time. And I was like, just talking to like a friend, just like bullshitting right. about just nothing. And this guy's like standing there kind of like patiently waiting. And then finally I'm like, I'm like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Like, and then, and then he was like, Oh, I'm Scott McCloud. I was like, Oh, I had like no idea what he looked like. And I was like, I just like made you wait like an <laughs> asshole. And I was like, well, whatever. I don't care. Like, I don't, yeah. it doesn't matter. But I'm he like, I guess, waiting in a line, motherfucker. I guess he had like, he had like used one of my comics in like a thing, uh, one of the animated gift comics in something about, you know, oh, cool. and so he just like said, hi, it was super nice. But yeah, like, yeah, he's the sweetest man. But I don't know like what any, I don't know. I, I mean, I knew I, I like was, a, I'm aware of understanding comics, but like, I yeah. know so little about comics that it comes up a lot and it embarrasses me like that, where I just like, I don't know. Don't okay. don't. I don't know what they look like. I don't know a lot of names. Right. I don't know a lot of. I'm very uneducated. In I think that's fine, it, and it's probably really good when you run into self-important people that <laughs> <laughs> cut them down a peg. Just take them down a peg. That goalie doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like I, sh- I wish I wish I was doing it because that was like cool, but I'm just doing it because I'm ignorant. So it's like not. Yeah, that's good not too. Like a, well, that's good because yeah. you can meet everyone on the level then. Yeah. Well, actually, that's like I, that's something I actually think is really important uh, for like young creators to, to do, kind of. Like I, yeah. I, I like I I like I did like a talk at uh, Wash U in um, St. Louis, and it was just like for this comics club recently, and I was like one of the things I was they were asking about like cons, and I was like kind of like telling them a little bit about con etiquette, you know? Because right. like I think it's important to hear when you're in college. You should learn a little bit about con etiquette and like uh-huh. kind of how to deal with that scenario and like the social thing there. Don't get super drunk. One of the, well, if you can handle your booze, it's also weird to be like totally sober at them. Honestly, it's <laughs> it's awkward, especially at like SPX or something where like it's just basically like a week long bender, a weekend long bender hotel party. It's like it can be kind of awkward to be sober. But anyway, like, <laughs> <laughs> but handle it. But handle your shit. I mean, don't like don't you know get too wasted, right? You have to know your know your. But anyway, this isn't about drinking at shows. That's like a whole other thing. This is what what I was trying to say is like what what I told them is like it's one of the things I was like it's really important to like remember that like you're like don't like try to sell yourself or your work to like other comics people. It's like you just have to just your your peers now. You're like more or less just like like even if they're not really essentially you just treat people as your your coworkers as your peers. Like be like respectful and cool and like you can tell someone that you admire their work or whatever, but don't like. You're like you're not here as you're not here as like a as like a fan or well, like you're not selling it. someone that's trying to like be a businessman and sell their stuff to you while you're talking to them. Yeah, it's awful. It's yeah. awful. So Especially just just something be, you all do for fun. I, what I, I was, it really the moral was just like be cool. Just yeah. like just be cool, man. Just be cool. But yeah, I don't know. I had a I had a conversation at uh, one of the conventions recently where there was this guy who was like very drunk. I was talking to, and he's like, "Hey, well, you're not drinking," and I was like, "Well, you know, this is like." the one place where, like, if I said or did the wrong thing, it could destroy my career. And he just looks super uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) See, I never think about that, but maybe I should. Well, maybe, uh... Maybe I've I've already done it. (laughs) Maybe you know your limits and you stay within it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing, is, like, you just... I mean, I say stupid stupid enough stuff sober, I don't want to... Yeah, I mean, you just can't be, like, uh, I don't know, can't be, like, uh... Like a little drunk college kid, like no, no one wants to hang out with that. But like, yeah. we just like be, 
responsible. You can yeah. drink responsibly. It's like it's like it's like all the beer beer and liquor ads say, please drink responsibly. There we they go. mean it. They yeah. mean it. They're genuine about and it. And usually at conventions you're pregnant, so you don't want to be drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Nine out of ten conventions you're pregnant. So Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good note to end on there. <laughs> oh, before we end I wanted to ask because I mean, you didn't come up with this, it's it's from Rick and Morty, but the Dimension C one thirty two, is that a reference to something? So it's where the Earth, where they come from. It's it's not. It's actually a different one from the show. Okay. I specifically mentioned that because I wanted it. I wanted to point out that it's actually like, the book's actually canon. It's just in a different dimension because oh, okay. it's established in the show that there's like different dimensions. Yeah. So the book's a separate. It's not the same dimension as the show. It's not nice. the same reality as the show. Yeah. So is this yeah. Rick in the Council of Ricks? It would be one. Yeah, probably. I would yeah. assume he'd be in the Council of Ricks, but Rick. I mean that's not. As far as I know, he could have, he could have been one in the background. I mean, you don't really know. Right, but, so he's yeah. not as Rick as the Rick in the show. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. I guess we would we would assume that like the Rick from the show is like Rick Prime. Yeah, but <laughs> then again, they haven't really like said that. I feel like they've they've actually kind of hinted at it a little bit that he's like you know, he's like a special Rick. But like yeah. I don't know, I don't know how you know how much that's gonna play into later stuff. But yeah. Well, thank you for talking. <laughs> thank you so much, Zach. Reminder, folks, uh, you can check out Zach Gorman stuff at uh, Magical Game Time. Yeah, or just ZachGorman.com, or on Twitter at ZachGormania. As well as Costume Quest. And that's Brandon's phone. Oh. So, thank you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> we got a theory. You see, Mike, we got a theory about magic and miracles. That's right. That's right. If magic is all we've ever known, then it's easy to miss what really goes on. But I've seen miracles in every way, and I see miracles every day. Oceans spanning beyond my sight, and a million stars way above them at night. You don't have to be high to look in the sky and know that's a miracle open wide. Look at the mountains, trees, the seven seas, and everything chilling underwater. Please, hot lava, snow, rain, and fog. Long necked giraffes and pet cats and dogs. And I've seen 85,000 people All in one room together as equal Pure magic is the birth of my kids I've seen shit that'll shock your eyelids The sun and the moon and even Mars The Milky Way of fucking shooting stars UFOs, a river flows Plant a little seed and nature grows Niagara Falls and the pyramids Everything you believed in as kids Fucking rainbows, after it rains There's enough miracles here to blow your brains I fed a fish to a pelican at Frisco Bay It tried to eat my cell phone He ran away And music is magic, pure and clean You can feel it and hear it, but it can't be seen It can't be seen Music is all magic You can't even hold it Do you notice and recognize miracles? It's just there in the air Pure motherfucking magic, right? This shit'll blow your motherfucking mind. Music is a lot like love, it's all a feeling And it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling I see miracles all around me Stop and look around, it's all astounding Water, fire, air and dirt Fucking magnets, 
how do they work? And I don't wanna talk to a scientist Y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed Solar eclipse and vicious weather 15,000 juggalos together And I love my mom for giving me this time On this planet, take nothing for granted I seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly Miracles ain't nothing to lie Shaggy's little boys look just like Shaggy And my little boy looks just like daddy Miracles each and everywhere you look And nobody has to stay where they put This world is yours for you to explore It's nothing but miracles beyond your doors The dark carnival is your invitation To witness that without explanation Take a look at this fine creation And enjoy it better with appreciation Crows, ghosts, the midnight coast The wonders of the world, mysteries the most just open your mind and it ain't no way To ignore the miracles of every day And that's real, and that's real Magic everywhere in this bitch Do you notice and recognize miracles? It's all around you, you don't even know it Are you a believer in She's miracles? Crazy. Do you notice and recognize miracles? So many miracles, the magic miracles Sexy kids at. Don't tell me I brought all this candy for nothing. I didn't come all this way to stand around here with all these goddamn tadpoles. Let's get it. Stop this shit so we can get paid. I came a long way to see this shit. It better be worth it or I'm gonna kill somebody. Motherfucker. 